Well, good morning, church. I love getting to, to listen to you worship weekly. So, as you'll notice, it's a little warm in here. We wanted to give you the youth camp effect. <laughs> you saw them in all the pictures just sweating. That's what we're going for today. Now, we've got an AC issue going on, so thank you for being gracious. And, you know, if you... the room are working, so if you want to move down front in, in, in the spitting space, you'll, you know, there's room for you down here, but let's, let's pray and we'll get back on task instead of me just talking in circles. <laughs> God, you are gracious and we love you, and Lord, I pray that this be just a blessed time in the Spirit. Lord, illuminate our eyes, lead our thoughts draw our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, will you please open with me to chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, and <clears throat> we are, as you can tell, not going to be in Ruth this morning. Last week, we left her bitterness, and um, she was blind to God and God's provisions, and if we were to continue in Ruth this week, we would find Naomi in more bitterness, and instead of lapping bitterness upon bitterness, I thought we would take a week pause and Ask the Lord how he would lead us out of bitterness if that's where we find ourselves. And I think, I think the, the first psalm does just that. It gives us an outline for how we can combat bitterness. We'll remember in our study, Naomi, at the, at the very end of chapter 1, she's, she's blaming God for her situation. She doesn't take any responsibility Remember, her and her family, there's a famine in the land of God. So she and her family, they moved to Moab, land of paganism. And in the land of paganism, they settle. They take up residence. And her two sons take two wives. And these two <clears throat> wives are Moabite women. Her, her husband dies, and then shortly after, her two sons die. And she's and all alone. But God's given her these two Moabites. Now, she's, she's bitter and she doesn't see God's, God's protection because if you love the law and you've spent time in the law, you know that the law of God gives provision to the alien and the widow. She's afraid that if they come back with her, that they're not going to have much of a life at all. But had she known and trusted in God and God's protection, she would have known that God had a way, God had a protection, and God had a provision for those, her and those women. But instead, she, from an argument, pushes, tries to push these women back into their paganism and succeeded with one. She was blind to, to God's provision because of her bitterness. And this morning, church, I want you to know this. The answer to bitterness is an abiding relationship. That's what it is. The answer to bitterness is an abiding relationship with God. So instead of just identifying bitterness, I want to take a, a week and 
talk about what it looks like to abide in God. And dads, happy Father's Day. It's your day. I want you to know, I want to challenge you. If you choose to, to make the outline of Psalm 1 the outline of your life, it will change your spiritual life and it will change the trajectory of your family's spiritual life. It will. If you choose to walk in this way. So I want you to understand, like Naomi, your circumstances and your inconveniences and your financial circumstances, you might feel like they're the reasons why you can't you're too busy, you got too many things going on. I would say that those are the exact reasons why you can't afford to not abide in God, why you can't afford to not spend time with Him on a daily basis. So Psalm 1, God shows us in Psalm 1 that the person who Here's, here, here's what we get if we delight. If you choose to walk in this way, you're given a life of joy, a life of, del, uh, a life of delight, a life of happiness, and a full soul. Who doesn't want that? But you have to choose to walk the Psalm 1 life. So here's what... what the life of blessing is the life lived in the Word of God and in the presence of God. So we'll see this in the text. The life of blessing is the life lived in the Word of God and in the presence of God. So what do you do with all this? You are to saturate your soul daily in the Word and in prayer. There's no getting around it. If you want the blessed life that the Bible promises, you will saturate your soul daily in the Word and in prayer. You will not find yourself bitter even in the worst situations. Look, conditions change day to day. Situations are sometimes better and sometimes worse. But if you saturate your soul in the word and in prayer, you will not find yourself bitter. Instead, you'll find yourself blessed and full of joy and peace and patience. So let's read our I've sold high. Let, let's see if the text, in fact, says this. So verse 1, Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. It, it, in all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff, that the wind drives away. Therefore, stand in the judgment, nor uh, sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So let's look first at verses one, through, uh, 1 and 2, and we're going to see the path of the blessed. To be blessed. The picture that we're given in this in this uh, chapter is, is, is that of a healthy, flourishing tree that's planted by streams of water. This tree, it can endure any season. It can weather any drought. It can weather any storm because its roots are nourished by the life-giving water. And that's the picture that we are to be in the Word. The word blessed here in the Hebrew is plural. 
So the one who chooses to walk in the way of God doesn't have the promise of just a single blessing or a blessing that's happened in the past, but it's blessings. It's, it's the promise of plural blessings, many blessings. We're not talking about just one blessing, but this passage, it does apply to that ultimate blessing of being saved and having the Spirit indwell us. But I also believe that you lose out on many daily in the presence of God being made known in your life when you walk in sin and do not choose to saturate your soul daily in the Word. There are many words for blessing in the Old Testament, many, many of which have different meanings and connotations. This particular word is Asher. And the idea from the Hebrew is a happy man. This word for blessed, this Asher, is used 26 times in the Old Testament. And when you survey the usage of the word, what you're going to find is it means full of joy and full of happiness. The blessing is continual when you look at the, the grammar around, around this in the Hebrew, it's a continual blessing. It's not a one-time heart-filling happiness. This is plural, more appropriately translated, and I put it on the screen because my East Texas draw gets in the way. Happiness is. When we think about what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, was that for a one-time happiness or for many happinesses? It's plural. It's happiness is. We have the joy of being saved from sin. We have the joy of, of not hell and, and face the wrath of God. We have the joy of daily celebrating our salvation. We have the happinesses of knowing the Holy Spirit. We have the happinesses of speaking daily to the Father. We have the happinesses of knowing when we fail that Jesus, the Son of God, stands and makes on our behalf to the Father. We have the happinesses of God pouring new mercies out on us every day. We have the happinesses of the assurance of our salvation. We have the happinesses of knowing that our salvation is not based on what we can produce, but what produced for us. We have many happinesses. We have the happiness of getting to participate daily in advancing the kingdom of God through making disciples. We have the happiness. I don't know if you've ever participated in this. I was talking to a young man today. He, he was able to go with a kid's camp and be one of the volunteers. And for the first time, he had the happiness of leading someone to Jesus. That will change your life. It's many happinesses that are to be found. And there are so many happinesses to be found on this side of eternity. But when we step through that veil, will be gazillions of happinesses to be found when we stand face to face with our creator in perfect harmony and unity there are so many joys that we will find in the coming age so if you've never experienced the happiness of the holy spirit to you and through you and producing fruit in you i want you to know it's good and that hurts me for you if you've not got to experience that but this, this passage is telling us that that can be real for you if you would just press in and in the word and in prayer. So let's look, at, let's look back at our text. And recognizing and leaning into these happinesses, 
will keep you from the bitterness as we see Naomi walking in, that we often walk in. But let's, let's look at, back at verse 1. Blessed Asher is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates both day and night. The blessed man stand or sit with anyone who goes against the law of God. The picture Psalm 1 gives us is the one who walks, stands, or sits, or sits with the wicked. They're like the chaff that's going to be blown away. Chaff is rootless. It's blown away by the wind. It's just... Is that what we want for ourselves or our families? No. So we have to lean into this model we see in Psalm 1. These, <clears throat> the happiness and, and the blessings that are promised by the world, we know this to be They do give momentary happiness, but it's fleeting. And then you end up being broken and, and feeling empty. But the happiness is the blessings that are found in the Lord. When you press in, you know what's found there? joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that he'll bear in you. So let's, let's, let's look at Psalm 1, and it's going to show us how to recognize the sin progression in our life. So first, it tells us not to walk. The one who walks, this is having a casual relationship with sin. Next, we see it, it progresses. So going, moving from casual to the one who stands, the idea is finding allegiance with the wicked, finding allegiance with sinful lifestyles, or finding allegiance with sinful thoughts. And finally, the one who sits, going from casual to allegiance to comfort, the one who sits with the wicked, sits with the scoffer, they find themselves comfortable in the things that oppose the will and the word of God. And I don't know if you've ever seen this progression in your life. I know I've seen it in mine. You know, we, our guard's down. We let something in. Then after a little bit, we start agreeing that thing. And before we know it, we find ourselves very comfortable with that sin. As <clears throat> so that's 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 this sinful progression. My hope this morning is that the Spirit of God. Maybe you would just ask and be real honest and ask, where do you have a casual relationship with sin? In what areas? These aren't the areas where you find yourself all in, but you find yourself casually coming in and out of it. Um. Or maybe you're starting to realize where you find yourself in allegiance or in alignment with sinful actions or sinful thoughts. But if you see yourself progressing and progressing and progressing, maybe the Lord is revealing to you right now somewhere where you're just comfortable with sin living in your life. And here's the answer. Repent. Repent. Give it to God and turn from that thing. 
a life comfortable and friendly with that friendly with the things that that oppose God is not fertile for an abiding relationship but it is a fertile soil for Satan to have a foothold it is fertile soil for for bitterness to grow it is fertile soil for you to take your eyes off Jesus it seems that this this sin progression is is from God and conforming to the world. Romans 12, 2 warns us against this very thing. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I was watching a video the other day, and it's, it's these 12 actors. They're in this... Y'all might have seen it on, uh, online. So there's these 12 actors in this waiting room, and their job is every time this bell rings to stand up and just sit back down. And then, so, finally, they let a regular person in who's going to see their doctor, and they make her wait for, like, 30 minutes. And every time this bell rings, they all stand up, and they all sit down. And at first, she's looking like, what is going on? But eventually, she doesn't, like, she, then she starts getting, like, halfway up, not committing and sitting back down. And then, eventually, every time the bell rings, she stands up and she sits down. So, slowly actors out and eventually it's only people who are there at real people to see the doctor and progression happens the same every time and eventually there's no actors in the room and everybody in the room every time the bell rings they're standing up they've conformed it just inched in on them we are not to be conforming to the society. We are not to be conforming to the things of the world. Rather, we are to be transformed into the image of God. The righteous will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We will form to this world. Following or walking in the counsel of the wicked will hinder the life promised by blessing. The righteous person must be able to discern the counsel of the ungodly. We're not, we're not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And there's no shortage of counsel in this world, right? Go to the library and look at the self-help section. Just because it's in the self-help section doesn't mean it's godly counsel. I'll go one step further. Just because it comes from a book that claims Christianity doesn't mean it is Christian does not mean it is Christian biblical counsel. It doesn't make it biblical counsel if it's something that you heard your mom or dad say. It doesn't make it biblical counsel if it's something you hear from the pulpit. You have to line everything up against that straight edge of Scripture. And if it does not align, it is of this world. We have to be able to discern Everything by the word of God. So how do we discern? Discernment is wisdom. You must know and you must study your scriptures. Studying the scriptures is not something you can farm out to the preacher or to your Bible study leader or to your community group leader. Studying the scriptures is what necessitates the life of blessing because you will have a life of rootedness and a life of abiding. And look, 
Not only are you to discern the counsel coming from outside, but also the counsel coming from inside. Fear, anxiety, unbelief, they're liars. I have people come to me all the time and go, you know, Cody, my heart's just telling me this. My heart's just telling me that. You know what the Bible tells me about your heart? It's a liar. The heart is a liar. It's wicked above all things, Jeremiah tells us. This is where we find counsel. Psalm 119.24, this tells us where our trustworthy counsel Your testimonies are my delight and they are my counselors. This is why we must learn to, to, to delight in the law and to meditate on it day and night. Going back to the second part of Romans 12 that we read earlier. By the renewal of your mind and that by testing, you might discern what is the what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. You're going to get a lot of counsel in this world. And you can walk in that counsel or you can obey God and listen to Romans 12 and discern all things by the word. So the righteous does not take the counsel and walk in it. The righteous also does not stand with the sinner. The way speaks of a road. The righteous will not walk on the road with the unrighteous. We will not take allegiance with those who are unrighteous. Rather, we're going to walk on the narrow path that Jesus seven thirteen. The wide path leads to destruction, and that's the way of the sinner. But the narrow path leads to eternal life. So let's look now at that next part of our verse. The righteous does not sit in the seat of the scoffer. The scoffer mocks everything, including God and God's people, mocks others. And here's the thing. This is true. Satan knows what you laugh at now, you will accept later. This is why the scoffer is so powerful. Um, I think about Will and Grace, the comedy from the 90s. It seemed foreign, but now it's widely accepted. You, you look at uh, shows like Friends, those lifestyles, the, the, the sexuality that they're walking in. Clear, clearly, and Word of God. We laughed at it. Now we accept it. What you laugh at now, you will accept later. So dads, stand up, be leaders, and turn that stuff off your TVs. Don't... The things that we watch in reels, the things that we watch on TV, the things that, that we listen to in podcasts, you're allowing those things to disciple your families. We are not to sit in the seat of scoffers. We are not to be comfortable with those things. So th these are the things the, the righteous person doesn't do. So let's look at what the righteous person does do. What shapes your thoughts shapes your life. What shapes your thoughts shapes your life. If we were to survey the congregation and ask, what, what would you think a person who would be blessed by God 
How, how would we describe that person? Likely, we would describe them by their productivity, how they serve, teaches this, she serves this way, he shows up and cuts trees, she uh, feeds them. They, like, we, we, we would just say the blessed person has this basically a flurry of actions. But is there any action that we find the blessed person doing here? Not outside the heart. Because what, what goes in will come out. If you, if you, if you contemplate on the, the things of God and meditate on the things of God, the overflow of your life will be good works. You need to see that the word is God's grace. His word, it's available, and we get to meditate on it day and night. It's a grace because his word is a trustworthy counselor for the way that we should live our lives. It's a grace because by saturating your soul in, the, in his word and it, his, his Holy Spirit will transform you into the image of his son. The blessed man is that picture of a tree planted by water. Why is it healthy and bear fruit? Because it has a rootedness, because the roots to water. The word of God is living water for your soul. We try to replace the word of God with all these other things, but the word of God is living water to your soul. A soul saturated by the word and delighting in the word, thinking about God, will experience God's presence, real palpable presence in their life and it will come out as fruitfulness. So here are the two things that the blessed man does. He meditates and he delights in the law. First, let's look at meditates. Ever got a cryptic text message? If you ever get a text message from me, you get about half a thought, or you get the standard, okay. Like, we've all got the okay text, right? And then you're trying to figure out, like, you're, you're trying to figure out the 75 ways to read that, like, okay, we're good to go, okay, still talking? Okay. You're excited about this? Okay. Like, we're trying to figure out what okay means. We're pondering it. We want to understand the intent of the author. That's meditating. That's, that's what we are to do with the Word of God. We're, we're to seek to understand the intent of... So what's being considered here is, as the law of the Lord, the law in the context is the entirety of the Bible, not just the, the Ten Commandments or the Pentateuch, but all of the Bible. It's all good for counsel and reproof and training. It's out by God. So what does it mean to meditate on the, the Word of God? Read it and take time to digest it. I'm not the guy that's going to be like, you need to read five chapters a day. Read a piece. Contemplate it. Think about it. Praise God for it. Like it, it, We make it too hard sometimes. Take a piece and try to understand what it's saying. That's meditating on it. Meditating on the Bible requires you to be in the Bible. If the only Bible you, if the only Bible you get is on Sunday, your soul's going to be dry. It's going to feel dry. You're not going to be bearing as much fruit as you ought to be bearing. 
God tells us in his word that his mercies are new every morning. The days are heavy, and the rhythm that God to restore our soul is daily being filled up on him in his word by meditating on his word both day and night. And by doing this, you're going to be renewed. By pressing into God, you're going to be renewed. That bitterness is going to be quenched, and you're going to have a full life. Pour it out daily. And the reason that you feel dry, like you don't have anything left, is probably because you don't. Because the thing that fills us up is the Word. It's the Holy Spirit ministering to us through, through the Word and through prayer. And you've got kids, you've got family, you've got people at work, they're all drawing on you, right? They're all making withdrawals. And you can't give what you don't have. And the only way you get it is in quietness with God. So let's look at the second thing that the blessed man does. It's only two things. The light and the law. This person of blessing does not just meditate on the law, but he loves the law. He delights in the law. The law is his desire. Why? Because the law is your lifeline to the presence of God. The presence of the God of eternity is available to us, and our lifeline is the law in, in prayer. So remember when we're talking about the law, we're talking about the whole counsel of God. We know the law. Most of us know the law. We know we've broken the moral law. We know we've broken the Ten Commandments. We know that Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fallen uh, short of the glory of God. So how can we look at the law and delight in it instead of find despair? Because we know what's coming to those who are lawbreakers. The wrath of God. So we find delight because we're looking at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. We find delight because of the cross. Because Jesus took the curse that our disobedience deserves. The blessed person is the one who's satisfied in the law. Your affections are for God and, and not for words that tickle your ears, but for words that fill your soul. If you're a blessed man or woman, you will love the law and it will receive your affections and your attentions. What draws your has your attention. So, we have to fall in love with, with the word of God. We have to fall in love with God. And it draws our attention. The natural overflow of, of loving God is delighting in his counsel. And it will draw here. Like I get sometimes I when I when I find myself in that comfortable, casual relationship with sin, I feel guilty about getting in the word. Have y'all ever been there, or is it just me? Am I the only sinner here? Like, I, I start feeling myself. But Hebrews presents Jesus Christ as when we are in sin, that's when he presses in towards us. God is so much kinder than we give him credit for. Repent and press in, because he's already told you. So, Let's look at verse 3, the promise of the, of the blessed life. So remember, we're, 
we're in the Psalms and it's a book of poetry and wisdom and, and these things are, are figurative and this is used in a simile. He is like a streams of water. Meditating on the word of God draws a person to a prayer and fellowship with God and his word and it gives you a depth and a rootedness. This is why this tree and this, 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 this story is abundantly fruitful and prosperous because it's dreams. Believers, what, they'll, they'll complain because they've taken and planted themselves outside of the will and the word of God. They've taken and planted themselves in a desert by, by um, living in sin and, and doing the exact opposite to do and they'll 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 walk with the sinner they'll they'll stand with the sinner they'll 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 become comfortable and and hang out with the sinner and then they're like I wonder why my life's falling apart I wonder why there's no fruit on this tree I wonder I wonder why my soul feels depressed and I feel like I'm full of anxiety and I wonder why my 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 family's falling apart I'm my, I'm not living prosperously and I wonder why my soul feels withered it's because you've chosen to plant yourself in a desert and you've not connected yourself to the water of the word. When I lived in Ennis, we had these two banana trees. Um, they were both not very planted them. But one of them, I planted in a flower bed. It's up high. It was in a place that didn't really hold water, but it was, it was, it was a real pretty location. And the other was on the other side of the house. And I thought I was going to drown it because like if you walked out there a week after it rained, you were getting your socks wet. I mean, it was, it just held water to nasty. So I planted the, the, the two uh, banana trees, one in the water, one in a pretty place. Well, that summer there was a drought and the one in the, in the nasty place that held the water, that joker grew bigger than our house. The, 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 the leaves and the one that was in the prettier place that didn't necessarily hold water, well, when the drought came, it was also on the western side of the house, and it was beaten by the sun, and it looked, it just looked gross. When it talks about the leaf withering, how can you both be dry and mushy? That's what that tree was. Why was the one healthy and the other not? Water. The roots were connected. The idea is when your roots are saturated with the living water of the word, your leaf will not wither. A tree bears good fruit to be healthy. Trees don't bear fruit just to be pretty or to decorate themselves. They bear fruit to bless others, whether it's by shade or by food. When you bear good fruit, the spirit, the fruit of the spirit will produce in you and you'll be doing things to advance the kingdom of God in your world. I know some of you are living in some harsh conditions and it feels like a drought. And you might feel bitterness creeping up. Maybe you've lost a loved one, you've lost a job. It feels like you've got enemies crawling out of every corner. You feel forgotten, you feel alone. You feel kind of emotionally destitute. You have the choice to be planted by the stream even in the doubt, even in the drought. And when you keep your soul saturated daily in the word, you're not going to, you're not either, but you're going to produce fruit. John 15, 
talks about fruitfulness. Jesus says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will produce. A good tree produces fruit. It's, it's a, it's a, he says it as a statement of fact. So if you look at your life and you're like, man, I just don't see where I'm producing fruit. Well, the Bible's going to tell you you're not abiding. And we have a gracious in, and he'll press into you. Flourishing doesn't come from your external actions, but as an overflow of being in the Word of God and in the presence of God. And if you're a Christian, the ultimate blessing in this passage is, is heaven that it's promising. But practically, if you're not abiding in Christ's Word, you will not be flourishing day in and day out. Lamentations 3, uh, 23 talks about his mercies being new each day. Those who abide at the stream prosper and bear much fruit. So the last thing I want you to see is verses 4 through 6. The punishment. The wicked are like the chaff. So who are the wicked? This word in Hebrew means guilty or criminal. By the standard of the law, we know that's us. That's everybody who's not found to be in Christ people are likened to the chaff that will be blown away, that will be trampled underfoot. The image of chaff is a kernel that's around that little piece of wheat. It's got, it's got no roots. It's got nothing connected. And when the wind blows, it disappears. The wicked will... Verse 5. This doesn't mean that they're not going to have to stand before God. I think a, a better translation for us to understand is the wicked will not be able to withstand God. They will not be able to withstand his judgment and his punishment. The wicked, it goes on to tell us, will not make it to the congregation of the righteous. That's talking about God's people in heaven. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus on that day, look, I can't withstand the judgment of God, and I'm not going to have to. On that day of judgment, because Jesus took wrath for me when I stand before God, I'm assuming it's going to be a terrifying moment to stand before the God of eternity in judgment. But I don't have to trust in anything that I've done. The only thing I trust in is in Jesus Christ. And when he looks at me and he should render the verdict guilty, I won't hear it. I will be seen as innocent because the son is innocent. Christ, he gave me his innocence. He gave me his righteousness. And I will get to dwell forever. I will get to reign forever with the God of eternity. And the Bible tells us that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, Jesus calls and he says, all who are heavy weary, all who are who are weary, come to me and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light because he carries the burden for you. The Bible tells us if you confess your sin and believe in your heart that he will save you. I love that. I just imagine standing before God. I think about it often. And I just know who I am. 
and I know what I've done. And I love six because, like, if I look at my life, I'll, I'll think to myself, like, there's no way he'll still let me in. Philippians 1, 6, he being Jesus who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, at that day of judgment. Leave me to stand there on my own. It's God's grace that he saved us, and we can rest in knowing that he will not forsake us even in our sin. It's Jesus' nature that when, he, when we sin, that he pours out more mercy and more grace on his bride. Not withstand the judgment. Verse 6 finally says, the way of the wicked will perish. This perishing, if you're, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm not saying this to, to scare you. It's for the sake of reality. The reality is this perishing lake of fire that never ends. And you will be placed in a devil's hell as a just punishment for your sins. And that's what I deserve. That's what all these people in this room deserve. But praise be to Jesus Christ that he's given us his righteousness salvation. Salvation is yours today if you would just call. Um, here in a second, I'm going to pray and I'm going to be right here. I'd love to pray with you and talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But the last thing I want to say is to the dads. I find often dads are bitter. A lot, a lot of life goes into to, to leading a family. A lot of things happen, right? I want you to know that the spiritual state of your family will be deeply affected by your pursuit of God. And in the way that you meditate and you pursue after Him daily. If your kids see you delighting in the Word, they're going to know it's real. If they see you only coming on Sunday, they're going to believe it's not real. It's just something we do because we're from the South. As goes the father, goes the family. There's so many statistics about if you get a kid in church, you might get one or two people from the family. Maybe, normally not. If you get the mom in church, maybe you'll get one of the kids. But if the dad becomes a sold-out, born-again believer, and the kids, you find them all shortly giving their lives to Christ. Dad, the spiritual state of your family is dependent on how you pursue God. So today I'm asking, what's the legacy that you're leaving on your family? Is it your hobbies or is it the love of your Lord? Let's pray together.